Okay, this is going to be episode 109. We're in the third week of Advent. It is Sunday, third week of Advent. This is going to be episode 109. This is the Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. So, um, let's begin. Entrance Antiphon from uh, Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice in the Lord. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my thoughts, through my thoughts, through my most grievous thoughts. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Okay. O God, who O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's nativity, enable us as we pray to attain the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and glad rejoicing through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Okay, this is, um, again, uh, favorite prayers from the Imitation of Christ. O O Lord Jesus Christ, most loving Savior and ruler of creation, who will give me wings of perfect freedom, so that I may fly to you and in your in you find perfect repose. When shall when shall I be granted the privilege to see how sweet you are? O Lord my God, when shall I become so centered in you as not to be conscious of myself, but only of you, above all sensible things, in a way not known to all? But now I frequently sigh and complain about the miseries of life. I daily encounter many evils in this veil of tears because many pernicious things often happen that sadden me and darken my path. They often hinder and distract me, lure and ensnare me, preventing me from approaching you without reservation and enjoying the sweet embrace always granted to your faithful followers. Let my sighs and my my fervent desires Move your heart and incline you to hear me. Amen. Alrighty. Alrighty. First reading is, again, from Isaiah. We get a lot of Isaiah during uh, Advent. Probably the same thing during uh, Lent as well. All right. A reading from the Holy Book of the Prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 1 to 6, and then 10. God himself will come to save us. A reading from the Holy Book of the Prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steep will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. 
They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 146. Lord, come and save us. The Lord God keeps faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. Lord, come and save us. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects and strangers. Lord God, come and save us. The fatherless and the widow he sustains, but the way of the wicked he thwarts. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, through all generations. Lord God, come and save us. Amen. It's a very, very short psalm. Um, but again, in Isaiah, we see we see this image of God coming to save his people. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steep will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers. Whenever we hear these things, these images of parched land, of dry stones, of of desert or anything like that. It's speaking about us, us who are spiritually dry, our lives without God. Our lives without God is like a gloomy land. Our lives without God is like parched land. Our, li our lives without God is like the shadow of death. There is no hope. Everybody wanders, like the Israelites of old wandered the desert for 40 years because that's an example of what life is like without God. For many people who are looking, you everybody wanders in the wilderness, just like there's a passage in um, a scene in um, The Chosen where people were sitting down uh, during the, the Feast of Shelters and Crisis and Apostles, and they were talking about the Gentiles, I think through Zechariah or one of the prophets talking that they will come and worship God in Jerusalem. And they, the apostles being Jews, they were troubled about the idea of Gentiles partaking of this because they wanted to keep God all for themselves, or they felt that they is only them. They were the special people. But you know, Jonathan Rumi playing Jesus in this uh, scene—it's a fictional scene, but it's a scene that could possibly have happened. Answers everyone has wandered the wilderness at some point in their lives. And that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like when you're lost, when you don't know, you don't know your way, when you don't know, you don't know what's true. You don't know who to believe. 
you you can't find mercy and and compassion you see so much evil you see so much injustice you see all these things and you wonder if there's any good in the world if there's any truth any beauty any mercy anything worth fighting for any anything worth believing if there is a god everybody goes through this in their lives everybody some people despair, completely give up. Some people just give up and they think that there's there's nothing. There's nothing worth believing. There's nothing worth fighting for. There is no God. There is no truth. There's nothing. And a lot of people go through that. And here, Isaiah says, they will bloom with the abundant flowers you know, the steeps, the mountains, they will rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them. Lebanon is a very beautiful place. They have beautiful mountains, beautiful trees, uh, maybe in many ways, even far more than Israel, all right, than the land of Israel. There's a lot of water up there and there's a lot of beautiful cedar trees and beautiful uh, flowers. It's a very beautiful country. And so it's a little bit like paradise, like the Garden of Eden. And um, strengthen the hand, uh, the hands that are feeble. We heard this before. Um, and, you know, strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. You know, we've, we've seen this, 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 this reading before. Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. All right, here is your God. And, and we see this again, the ears of the deaf will be cleared, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the lame will leap like a stag, the tongue of the mute will, will, will sing, those whom the Lord has ransomed will return, and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy, they will meet with joy and gladness, sorrow and mourning will flee. This is talking about the faith some i mean yes literally christ did did hear uh healed the blind did heal the deaf did make the lame walk did strengthen people and return and give them good health but all that is referring to a soul that has received grace that has found salvation that has that has found faith in Christ. That's what it's speaking about. This is what it's talking about. And this is how we need we need we need to start thinking. Because there are many people out there who do not know Christ, who do not even know if the Christian faith is real, because we have been so badly damaged by bad Christians within the faith. But so many so badly damaged by scandal and the, and the message, the message has been strangled. All right, nobody talks about sin anymore. And you cannot win souls if you do not talk to them honestly. And talk to them honestly about the things that are hurting them, which is sin. Just now, there was some Navy SEAL who went through a transitioning and, uh, you know, thinks he became a woman. Now he realizes he damaged his life and wants to go back. Now, I'm, I'm imagining there's a lot of people that want to make sure nobody hears this guy. But the fact that it's true that he's discovered this, this is important. 
This is important. We have to find out why. Because maybe he discovered the gospel. Maybe maybe some, some truth finally got, got to his soul. And yet you're gonna you're not gonna hear this. You're gonna hear only. I mean, Kirk Cameron just put out a children's book. The libraries don't want his book. We're a queer friendly library. One library said, and we don't need your books. Something like that. This is the kind of world we're living in. People need to hear the gospel. Christ is the truth. Christ is the answer. And we Catholics, we are an apostolic church. We come from the apostles. We have the sacraments. We have the truth. Why aren't we preaching it? Okay, a reading from the letter of James. Chapter 5, verse 7 and 10. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. A reading from the letter of St. James. Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmers wait for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers, about one another, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Take as an example of hardships and patience, brothers, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Okay, so let's look at it one more time. A letter of St. James, chapter 5, verse 7 and 10. Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmers wait for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters. Okay, I meant to say brothers, but they have here brothers and sisters about one another that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Take as an example of hardships and patience, brothers, the, pro the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Okay, so this here, uh, I take, I. I don't like the inclusive uh, inclusive language stuff because that's not with the original text. I feel that, you know, stick to the original text. It's better. Um, everybody knows that this most likely was speaking to a congregation, but mostly uh, speaking to the men. Not that I'm saying that the women weren't important. They were definitely important because they were part of the Christian life. Um, but the text shouldn't be messed, uh, messed with. It's a little disappointing. Anyway, um, patience, it comes with prayer and, uh, you know, and much prayer and, you know, like practicing your faith, uh, and doing the right things, obviously you'll bear fruit, but you have to, pr you have to practice patience. The rain is receiving the word of God and receiving the grace that comes with, with you know, with prayer and 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 receiving the sacraments and everything. This is important. 
And the idea is also not to not complain about one another. It means like just don't, um, you know, learn, le- you know, the apostles, I'm sure, complained. Uh, that's one thing about that show that shows and it shows them complaining with one another. And, you know, the way people complain about family members, the way people complain about co-workers, the way people complain about our neighbors, all these things are true. And all these things, because we're dealing with human difficulty, you know, with with personality differences and behavior differences, bad behavior differences, uh, all these things come with the Christian life. All these things come and it's difficult. It's tough. It's true. Because you got to deal with, you got to deal with it. I mean, come on. You know, we got to deal with, you know, rude people every single day. We got to deal with people with bad behavior and bad hygiene and bad everything. You know, it's part of life. Alrighty, um, let's move on. Reading from the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 to, 2 to 11. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the words of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing. Those who wear fine clothings are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, when John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Why did John the Baptist send his disciples? And if you would notice his words, he doesn't say, well, he sent his disciples. Now, why would he do that after he proclaimed that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? And not only that, John has said, we know this in John's gospel, the gospel according to St. John the Evangelist, 
He must increase while I decrease. And he even has said, I am not the one, I am not the Messiah. The Messiah is one who is to come after me. He who is mightier than I is to come. I am not worthy to even unfasten his sandals. Yet, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is the bridegroom and I am the best man. He has said this, you know, this, those words in, in the gospel according to John. He has said those things. So why, why is he asking this question? In Iraq, there is a ancient Gnostic sect that still exists to this very day, although they're uh, much smaller. I actually met a member of them at my job. I know he was a supervisor. He was an Iraqi gentleman. And um, his name is Abdullah. He was a supervisor. And the name itself is Muslim, by the way. But he is not a Muslim. He is a Mendayan. This is an old sect um, that has sprung out from the from the early days of Christianity, and they trace their origin, their sect, to the followers of John the Baptist. They claim John the Baptist is the Christ, not Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? Now, we know early in the Gospels that. The followers of John the Baptist began to argue with the disciples of Christ, the apostles themselves and his disciples, because of baptism. They came, they went and they complained to John, and this is in the gospel according to John the Baptist, I mean, the the evangelist, I'm getting the Johns confused, and over John being the Messiah or the Christ. They wanted John to be the Christ, not the, the, the Baptist. And they refused to accept Jesus. We even know there were arguments about John the Baptist's followers fast and Jesus and his disciples do not fast. I believe this is my own theory, but I the fact that there is a cult to this day that traces its origin back to John the Baptist's followers I believe that when John was in prison, I think it craw- it caused a vacuum, a power uh, vacuum, an authority vacuum, you know, that certain members of his disciples took advantage of his imprisonment to create, uh, to, to take over. And I think John saw this. He saw this problem. Philip and Andrew were both disciples of John the Baptist. Andrew, the apostle, the brother to Simon Peter, and possibly John the evangelist. Him too was possibly a disciple. The fact that he wrote such an extensive uh, words um, of John the Baptist, his words, uh, when he... uh, pointed to let me get this it's a 
I think it's an important thing because I think that's exactly what happened. And I think John sending his disciples to question Jesus, are you the one to come and are, or are we to expect another was because he wanted them, he wanted them to hear, to hear the words, to hear Jesus himself, themselves, uh, to show them, to show them that Jesus is, is the Messiah. John himself, by the fact that he said these words, he must increase while I decrease, proves it. He said this to his own disciples. And he even said it, I have told you I am not the Christ. And <clears throat> it's, it's interesting. Now here, I think here it is. This is in the chapter three, starting from verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. John also was baptizing at Enon, near Salim, because there was much water there, and people came and were baptized. For John had not yet been, uh, been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between John's disciples and a Jew. Uh, okay, so it was over uh, some particular Jew, over purifying. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you bore witness here, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, no one can receive anything except what is given him from, uh, from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has, who has the bride is the bridegroom. He who has uh, is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now full. He's talking about himself. He is the best man of the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is the reason why he sent them. When he saw, when he was in prison, he saw that a power vacuum was created. <clears throat> His absence caused a power struggle among his disciples and they were cre they, 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 they were they were creating a whole new religion they were they were basically corrupting everything he was doing okay it goes on he who comes from above is above all he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and the earth he and of the earth he speaks he who comes from heaven is above all he bears witness to what he has seen and heard yet no one receives his testimony he who receives his testimony sets his seal to this that god is true for he whom god has sent utters the words of god for it is not by means by by measure that he gives he gives a spirit 
The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. <clears throat> so, this, may, this here may not be his words, but the fact, I think this is, the, this is not John's words, because I think here, this is John the Evangelist talking. From verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. Uh, because, because John ends his words when he says his line, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's, that's John's words right there. That's the John the Baptist's words. But it proves the point that there was a power vacuum. And this, and, and that John, and there was a struggle among his disciples. Okay. To to basically uh, make make his 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 mission to twist it and corrupt it and create a whole new religion, and this is unfortunate for John the Baptist because John the Baptist did not intend that. That was not his intention. He came to bear witness to Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah. And that's why he sent his men to, to, to ask this question and hear Jesus themselves. Now, did any of them uh, convert? That's a good question. It's a perfectly good question. Um, we know in the book of Acts that the baptism of John was still popular. And Paul had to correct people that they had to, um, <clears throat> you know, that they had to receive the baptism of Jesus. And that was important for them. It, it actually spread far and wide, the, uh, the mission, the words of John the Baptist, because possibly because his, his disciples were starting to make a, a competitive religion, basically, or, you know, a corrupt form. It became a Gnostic religion. Uh, a form of Gnosticism, at least. But here it continues. You know, blessed is he, blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak as they were going off. It's interesting that Jesus waited, waited for them to leave. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing. Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palace, palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare a way before you. Amen. Amen, I say to you. Among those born of a woman, there has not been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus knew uh, 
John the Baptist's heart, John son of Zechariah's heart. And he knew that John son of Zechariah remained true to him, remained true to his mission, what he would, God has intended him to be, a prophet, the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Christ. His own disciples may have not understood him except only maybe like was for certain we could say it was Philip and Andrew. And I could say for certain that I, the fact that John wrote this, uh, wrote this in his gospel, the passage of, of John the Baptist's testimony, I would say probably three. He, three disciples who at least were, you know, at least three were familiar with John the Baptist. And that was important. You know, this is what men, this is how human beings are, unfortunately. You know, it's obvious that John the Baptist knew the heart of his disciples and only he knew, if not three, maybe two, that he knew, obviously, Philip and Andrew, that they were, they were the only ones who could be followers of Christ. They were the only ones that were true. And that was, and that shows you how, um, how careful John the Baptist was, how well he knew his students and how important to him that Jesus, that Jesus would be known. He stepped aside. He, you know, he remained true to his mission. He went off. He rebuked Herod Antipas for his, for his immoral life and, uh, and for taking incest because Herodias was his niece was a niece, his, his, the daughter of one of his brothers. Then he lusted after his, his, uh, got, you know, his grandniece, practically, whatever you want to call her. She, you know, Salome, he, he, you know, he, he was a very perverted person. You know, the, the Herods were not decent moral people. And yet the reason why he rebuked him, because he was a public person and his sin was public, not private. Fascinating. And it was important. It was important to know this, that John himself understood, understood exactly what his mission was. And he understood that he had to disappear. He had to get off stage. He had to move aside so that Jesus, that he would not be an impediment to the, to the mission of Jesus of Nazareth. You know, this is the kind of, you know, we, we need to, we need, we need teachers like that because we live in a society now that nobody wants to hear the truth. Nobody wants to be offended. No, nobody wants to be uh, told that they're wrong. Nobody wants to be told that they're immoral. We need people like that. And we need, you know, we need to, to bring back that morality that, that was taken away from us. Alrighty, let's end it here. Okay, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. 
for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild and wickedness of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. God bless.